Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Dr. Allison Cook. Too much in, John. Yep. Two oh, months in the baseball season. I know what you're talking it's about. It's all happening. Yeah, I it's cannot all happening. It. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I love the new rules. Okay. How do you feel about them? <laughs> oh, me dose, my friend. Me dose. <laughs> Pitch clock, right? Right. Right. No infield, no infield shift. shift. And they even made the bases slightly bigger, just a little bit bigger, to encourage more base stealing. Yeah, they're like their eyes are bigger than their stomachs. It's got. They gotta go get them. <laughs> yeah. Dave, if you had to pick one guy okay. all time to yep. steal second base in the bottom of the ninth with two outs. In the seventh game of the World Series, who would you choose? Uh, okay, I think about this almost daily. And I know. It might be hourly. Uh, i got to go with Ricky H. Ricky Henderson. All day. Oh. All day. Oh, that's a great choice. Yeah. It's probably the right answer. You know, Ricky's yep. he's going to get to second. For sure. Heck, Dave, yep. in the language. Yep. He's probably going to steal third, too, while he's at it. That he would, John. That he would. And speaking of covering bases, stay with me here. Watch okay. what I do. I'm with watch you. what I do. Don't watch my left hand, though. That's okay. my trick hand. Oh. What would you use to cover your nutritional bases every day? Oh, easy. Yep. Easy, Dave. It, the Ricky Henderson of <laughs> nutrition, AG1 <laughs> by Athletic Greens. I'll tell you uh, why. AG1's all-in-one formula mm-hmm. makes – I pronounce formula with No, you P. do. It's a regal – the way you feel about it makes you want to say it in a regal way. For formula. Yeah. It makes it easy to cover my nutritional bases, Dave. Yep. Tying this all together. Yeah, I take AG1 every morning. Before, even before my coffee. That's hard to believe. I know. And it makes me feel like I could run fast enough to steal 40 bases That's if they're crazy. big enough. That's good. Well, it's fair. You know, let's make some big ones. I'm sure it makes you feel great, John. Yeah. And I believe that. But it seems like doing a supplement routine would be complicated and take forever. I, you know what? I get that. I get that a lot. But one scoop a day. Does that sound complicated to you, mm, Dave? Okay. Because it's not. Okay. AG1 is just one scoop of powder mix with cold water once a day. That's it. Just one scoop. One scoop. Okay. And that one scoop contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients of the highest quality. Dave. This sounds awesome, Johnny. It, because it is. Like it might be the healthiest thing you can do in under a minute. Yeah, it's a home run, no, Dave. I see, I see I'm tying in all I the know, sports I know you're doing things. Great. You're yeah. doing great. AG1 gives me increased energy and mood support, even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails. Look at these skin, hair, and nails that uh, I've listen, got going on. Listen, can I feel your arm? Oh, wow. That is nice. Right? And you're flexing, too, which yeah. I appreciate. That's uh, always flexing. Arm. Yeah. And your hair and nails look quite healthy, too, John. You're knocking it out of the park. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Thank Come you, on. David. Yeah, yeah. My AG1 is delivered to me every month. Now, I'd go get it. Yeah. I'll you say tried right now, to get it. I'd go get it, but yeah. they make it so easy. They deliver it right to you, so it's yeah. been super easy to make it a daily habit. And being on the road is easy, too, thanks to the single-serving travel packs. John, you know, there's just a couple of things I hate, okay? Okay. One, people who blatantly cheat in board games, okay? Uh, You've don't, known get that. don't get me started. Don't get me started, okay? Started. And two, 
taking pills and vitamins. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yucky McDuck, mm-hmm. who I also can't stand. Oh, right. So, so there, it sounds there are like a lot AG- of things that you. Well, that's, you hate. Uh, let's just keep going because that, okay. that, that, let's, let's get long. Uh, so it sounds like AG1 would be a great alternative as a nutritional drink that tastes great, John. Well, I'll tell you why it sounds that way because it is. Ugh. And if you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Oh, the places you could go with those travel packs <laughs> in your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dadville. That's athleticgreens.com slash dadville. Check it out. Boom. Do we call you Doc? Do we just no, say Doc? Do we Allison. come in with Doc Cook, DC? <laughs> You can if you want. I don't think anybody's okay. ever called okay. me that. We just listen. Let's just see what happens. Let's It'll let's go. With, let's follow our hearts and see where they lead us. Um, okay. So today we have Dr. Allison Cook. Thank you for being here, uh, Dr. Al. Al. I don't know. We're gonna figure it out by the end. We'll figure one. <laughs> we'll, uh, find we'll, we'll find it. We'll find it. We'll find it. So uh, Allison is a PhD, a counselor, speaker, and writer who specializes in the integration of faith and psychology. Studied at Dartmouth, um, which is immediately intimidating. Yeah. Uh, so congrats on that. <laughs> we'll get back to that. Yeah, we'll get back to that. Denver Seminary and the University of Denver, where she's, I like that you can tell by where you studied. You were like, yeah, okay, Northeast. And you're like, Denver, no, I like it here. I'm going to stay yeah. here longer than going back to the Northeast, where she specializes in integrating psychology and theology. She has two books, The Best of You, which came out in uh, last year, and Boundaries for Your Soul, which was 2018. Um also, these are just fun facts, which I love. Congressional aide on Capitol Hill in D.C. and taught at Phillips Exeter Academy, Denver Seminary, and Wyoming State Girls School for Adjudicated. Oh, boy. Here we go. Adjudicated. Oh, Ooh, yes. You did it. it. Oh, I was so nervous. Dartmouth is just staring me down right now. Um, <laughs> teens. <laughs> and, then, and then one of the best fun facts is also a podcaster on this uh, yeah. network on the that yes. sounds fun network where her weekly email and podcast reach 70,000 million people is what he said which that's feels right. maybe a little aggressive um 70,000 million people Again, <laughs> that's literally what it has right now 70,000 million and that's just Jason <laughs> trying to rub stats in our face he's like you may not let me on the mic but I'm gonna just nail you on the numbers so uh welcome we do uh, John wanted to just say one thing as we started here just to kind of establish some ground rules I just want to get back to the Dartmouth thing. Yeah. Any anytime I I meet someone who is an Ivy Leaguer, I wish I could say fellow Ivy Leaguer, but just an Ivy Leaguer. <laughs> I'm always fascinated by it because it's such a. I can't speak for everyone, but for me, I'm like even growing up, there was something about like Ivy League schools. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's like such a cool amazing achievement and like exclusive and awesome and all that kind of stuff so i'm always curious you know people who have who have been to an ivy league school what are your thoughts on it did you grow up with that same kind of view of all those schools and what was it like going to dartmouth all that oh Gosh, you guys are, you're already cracking me up. Um, it's, it's a great question. I don't think anybody's ever asked it to me because it's not one of those. Everybody like wants you, to ask you. That's what we do here at Dadville, the hard hitting questions. <laughs> we people at Dartmouth, we have a little bit of this thing of, well, we're not Harvard, Yale or Princeton where it's like, you know, the immediate thing people grab. So we don't get asked. So I'm See, like, but isn't it, isn't that such a human thing to happen though? It's like, <laughs> well, we're just, we're Dartmouth. We're not, we're not like, Harvard, you're in the Princeton, Ivy League. Yeah. How many schools are there in Ivy League? Like seven or eight or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think there's seven, maybe eight. Yeah. I don't know. 
That um, if people are wondering that are listening, MTSU where I went and John Anderson are considered poison ivy, and it's different than the yeah. Ivy leagues. It's a little more dangerous. Um, right. anything can happen at any time, and that's yeah. you know, yeah. and you may not get a quote unquote education, but you will get a quote unquote good time, and that's what that's kind of their pitching point. Anderson was is the Harvard of Anderson, <laughs> is what we've always said. MTSU was the Dartmouth of, of Murfreesboro. Oh. Yeah, North Murfreesboro. <laughs> no, no, no. But but get back to your answer. You so what was your experience like? I loved Dartmouth. I grew up in a tiny town in Wyoming, in rural Wyoming. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, that is way out of the way. Very footloose. My my upbringing, and not that my dad was a pastor, but kind of that that connotation of small kind of, and so. It was already a big leap for me to leave and go to Dartmouth. That wasn't the path, mm-hmm. um, but my family what, did. What my is dad. the path in Wyoming? What is that? <laughs> the path, uh, it would probably be the University of Wyoming okay. and then, you know, back to to Sheridan, which was my yeah. hometown, Yeah. Okay. which actually we spent a ton of time there. Now we love it. Um, but my dad had gone to Dartmouth. He was kind of oh, a, wow. yeah, he, if you've ever seen that movie, A River Runs Through It, that yeah. that's oh, yeah. like literally my dad fly fishing and then just wanted to go somewhere else to fly fish some more. Is he, is he that up, handsome? Well, <laughs> that's all that I can remember. Yeah. Now I'm going to be distracted. Toward Brad, Pitt. Brad Pitt fly yeah. fishing the whole time. <laughs> Your dad is Brad Pitt. That was it. That was it. Yes. The secret is now out. Anyway, so I when I got there, I felt a bit like a fish out of water. Hmm. Um, it was before the internet that ages me, but like we didn't understand in Wyoming what people were wearing in New England. And so like I had permed hair and I wore a little brown checkered vest. Not that I was a cowgirl per se, but, you know, and that wasn't happening, you know, in New England. <laughs> and so, yeah. so it took me like two or three months to adjust. But once I did, I just loved it. I loved mm. it. I had a blast. I mm. loved being with so many different kinds of people. It was actually great for my faith. I oh, wow. loved it from that vantage point. It was one mm. of the richest times for me. Um, it was just a really, that was just a cool time. I loved it. That um, I, I have only been, I have stepped literally feet into Montana because we stay, it's like, but I'm still claiming it because, you know, touring artists like John and I, it's, it's a big thing is like checking off all the states and I hadn't done Montana. And so we, we did Yellowstone and we stayed in, is it, uh, uh, east, what is it called? Like the the very very eastern part, right there on Yellowstone. But we stayed just inside of it, you know. So, but I was like, hey, it counts. I probably oh, yeah. checked that off. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, you guys are all the rage now. With uh, you know, everybody's like, everybody's all about some Montana right now. Kevin oh, Costner is just up there smiling, just waving people into the state. He's just we, doing this. He's like, come on. <laughs> and they are all coming. We we laughed during the pandemic. We were able to spend much of the pandemic there. And it's my hometown, but we had uh, driven. And so we had our Massachusetts license plate. Uh-huh. And we did we did definitely get a few, uh, you know, because there were just too many folks coming in. <laughs> we were we didn't get I had to tell my family. I was like, they're really nice people, even though they're really mad at us with this yeah, license yeah. plate. coming Put in. The Put the lasso's up. Put the lasso's up. That's how we feel in Nashville. There's yeah. a there's a, a great bumper sticker in Nashville called uh, that says, uh, welcome to Nashville. Y'all go home now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes. We like to think that we're the Montana of the South. Um, without we're like the Dartmouth me. of the Montana of the South, <laughs> of the Wyoming. Anyway. Okay. It might be the Harvard. It's pretty cool. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay. So, so 
I have to say, we we're doing this is this is a really fun moment. So so John and I, when we get together, we prep these. We kind of talk about all the things we want to talk about, you know. But we were having this discussion at the, toward the end of our prep about uh, just kind of being married and being dads, and and we both went, oh my gosh, this would be a great thing because it's top of mind to talk to you about because this is you know you're an expert in these things, and I would love to get your perspective on this because it is an immediate it's an immediate conversation we're having and trying to sort of uh, 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 you know figure out. Or, or not figure out. There's my manhood. Like we gotta figure it out. We gotta fix it. Um, but he has to understand better. It. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Sit within it and be still and be calm and know that right. we don't have to fix anything. Yeah. And we're wonderfully made as we are. Um, no, but so th- this is. I-, I would love your perspective and wisdom on this. <clears throat> Something that, um, like my wife and I have been talking about recently, is this with kids. How it feels like how they relate to her and how they act around her is very different from how they relate to and act around me. And so she, it seems like there's so many days where her experience with them is much more weighted and hard and and the way they act toward her. And so she'll tell me and she's like, I mean, the greatest example of this is always like when, you know, mom goes away for the weekend and you have the kids and there's that sort of sitcom worthy moment where she gets, you know, she, she Ubers and she's sitting there and she's walking in with her bags and she's ready to hear you go like, God, I'm so ready. They have just been wearing me out. I haven't slept in two nights, you know, and you're crying. And instead, like me and my, my dad friends always laugh. It's like, how'd you do? And you're like, that's pretty great. And she's like, what do you mean? It's pretty great. And you're like, I mean, they were, they were pretty great. I mean, pretty chill. And, and then you leave for the weekend and it's like World War Three, you know? So is there any, I mean, John, do you want to add to that question? I know you had a thought this morning too. I would just add that it seems like the connection between my wife, Amy, and our two daughters, it's just more intense. Everything about it is more intense. Maybe mm-hmm. it, maybe they're higher highs, lower lows, or whatever, but my first uh, iteration and experience with what Dave's describing was when our oldest was just born, and my wife and I got into this little tiff about where I was kind of saying to her, like, well, just put Luca in the bumbo and take a shower. Cause my wife was like, I can't even take a shower. I can't like, I need you here to do these things. And I'm like, I just put her in the bumbo and I take a shower and she's fine. But she's like, if I do that, she will lose her mind. She mm-hmm. can't see me and not be with me. And it's just that I don't have that relationship with her yeah. so far. There just seems to be more of an intensity yeah. around that. And we're just wondering if that's been, if you've observed that, or is that just Dave and I? There's psychological data to back that up from empirical evidence. (laughs) You know, it's a, (laughs) it's a, it's a really interesting question. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind in terms of attachment, right, is attachment takes on different forms. And often the mother is the, the, I mean, even literally the, the baby is literally in her stomach, the late, Mm -hmm. the child is literally attached to her through the umbilical cord. She is literally, you know, there is that sense of that primary attachment figure. Cause what you were describing made me think of attachment where she, you know, the, the child really, you know, is, has that secure attachment with the mom. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't mean that they don't have the secure attachment with you guys. It just takes on a different connotation. And so I think that's kind of the first place I go with that is just the pure, the biology of it. I think that can change um, depending on the relationship. So I'm in an interesting situation in my family in that my husband was a widower when we met. Hmm. 
and had two very young children who had lost their mom, lost their biological mom, and who ha- showed that very same kind of attachment with him. Mm. And uh, it yeah. was so interesting because for him, it it was hard for other guys to relate. Mm-hmm. So he would have that same kind of mom feeling of like, oh my gosh, because and I watched it and I had the dad feeling. Wow. As we got, you know, as we came together, we yeah. merged our families and blended. I felt the more I thought about my role, I was like, I because they're definitely attached to me. They love me. They were very young when we met. But that primary attachment is with him. So that's the other thought that came to my mind as I was listening to him. We would talk about it a lot because he's like, other guys don't get this, hmm, that I can't really just come and go. Yeah. yeah. So there's something that the kids kind of know viscerally hmm. about that, that, that person, you know, that that around which their whole world sort of hangs in yeah. a way, you know, it, it is, it is remarkable. Like I, I watched that happen and you can definitely tell there's, I always, I always, I always wonder, I'm like, I wonder if it's just that we are as men, we're just too like emotionally, we're not as emotionally articulate and, or, you know, um, we're just not going to pick up on the nuances probably like mm-hmm. a, 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 my wife would. And so there, I, I mean, John and I, one of the first weekends she left and they were really great. And we were laughing about this because I was telling John, and I was like, I think it's just that they know they can't manipulate me because I'm not smart enough to be manipulated. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I think they look at that like, hey, let's do the thing. And like, that's not what, just stop. He's, no, no, he's not. He's not. He's not okay. We're gonna, you know what I mean? Like, so I think there is, but it's interesting to hear that with your, with your husband, because, you know, they would have obviously been so close to him. Well, if you if you think about what you're saying, you think about emotional attunement, which is really what underlies attachment. It's present. So it was it was kind of, that's why I was kind of laughing a little bit when you guys were kind of being like, oh, we need to like be present to the moment, right? That it's that presence, which isn't so much about doing or it's that withness. Mm-hmm. Kurt Thompson always talks about that withness, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's what children are just absorbing. That's what's creating attachment. They've discovered it's less about, you know, even amount of time. And it's that total whole body presence where your whole nervous system mm-hmm. is attuned to the, the child. Mm-hmm. And I do think, you know, again, this is sort of a, it, this can differ again, like it differs in my family, but probably that, you, you know, you're seeing that with your wives, that whole body attunement that gets at empathy, that gets at mm-hmm. presence, that gets at that sitting, being with versus, mm-hmm. all right, what are we going to do? Let's go, you know, just <laughs> a different kind of energy and kids really respond almost at that nervous system level to that that attunement. Yeah. And, you know, so it's not that, you know, no, it's not that guys can't do that. It's just also by default in a marriage, usually one cup, one portion of the couple does more yeah. of that than the other. And typically it's, it's, you know, the woman. Well, yeah. as you're, as you're describing that, I'm, my mind immediately goes to our phones. Like yeah. what you're describing that kids are so um, like uh, immediately attuned to, I'm like, are freaking phones are eating away at that like crazy yep i mean they're you know i i've heard that there is dad i think it was a um another one of our uh interviews that we did that now i'm blanking on uh it's kurt thompson i think kurt Mm. thompson said something about the the data that they have on like even if your phone is in the room Mm. when you're with your kids there's something about there's some sort of block that happens like the kids 
are triangulating or something like that, or they feel like you're triangulating with the phone or something like that. It's just... Yeah, that fullness of presence is interrupted in so many ways when that happens. Um, it, it, you're exactly right. And it's so important that, that presence and, and what I say to people, to parents, cause you can kind of feel like, oh gosh, do I need to be, you know, present in that kind of, which, which requires a little bit of that calm nervous system in mm-hmm. oneself, right? So much of parenting is regulating our own nervous system so that we can provide that for our mm-hmm. children so that they can kind of ping off of it as they're learning to regulate their own nervous systems. And what I always say to people is it's not 100% of the time, but you do need to make sure you are creating that space a little bit every day. You know, when I talk to my single mom clients, you know, it's, you know, where they're working and, you know, it's just, but it's just like, give them a little bit every day, a little bit of that whole body. I'm calm now. I'm all yours. And it's really, when you think about it, that's what we experience when we experience God's presence. Mm. It's that withness, that just complete attunement. I'm with you. We're giving our kids a little glimpse of that. It's Mm. powerful. Hey, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Don't laugh at me. Look, I need to tell you something. Okay. I almost didn't make it over here. Oh, no. What's up? Yeah. Oh, let me guess. You forgot where I lived. <laughs> no, 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 no. no that, was just, that was just that was just one time. Okay. No, the reason is I, I was looking at Luca today, and she she didn't seem right. She oh, no. seemed like she wasn't feeling well. What'd you do? Yeah. Well, I slipped this father daughter friendship band on mm. her wrist. She thinks it's just a cool watch, but in reality, it has superpowers. No, are we talking like like seriously? I'm not kidding. Is it like invisibility or? Can she fly or? Well, not quite. Okay. But it made her nauseous feeling go away. Oh. So. Wait. Was it a relief band? Ah, you nailed it. Oh, yeah. I just told her it was a father-daughter friendship. No, band. I get that. I get that. T- that's right, Dave. Today's episode is sponsored by Relief Band, the number one FDA-approved anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting. You hate nausea and vomiting. I've had it for years. Yeah, right? This will help. The nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and more. Oh, my gosh. I really wish I had this in college. Right, John? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I was crazy. That's not actually true. Uh, this could be a way, though. I thought about this. To weed out those kids who think they're too sick to go to school. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Gotcha. And for the record, I'm very glad my parents didn't have this <laughs> level of oh, technology. right? We were kids because yeah. I might have maybe fudged a couple times on how I was feeling. <laughs> just a couple times. No, you're right. We keep one on hand around the house just in yep. case, and it's become kind of part of our household first aid kit. Yeah. I used it just the other day after I spent an afternoon in Dollywood. I rode too many rides. Look, I'm going to do it, John. You're going to do it. It's something I love. You're crazy Dave. Too much pizza and too many spin rides, okay? And old Uncle Dave might have needed a little help steadying myself. That's all I love it when you call yourself Uncle Dave. (laughs) Listen, those teacups will get you every every time. Every time. They are silent assassins. Yes. Yeah, more people need to be aware of this, especially well-meaning parents. Well, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what tell they me. didn't. I'm, those cups didn't see coming, and that was relief band because yep. he just it neutralized it into an enjoyable afternoon. Gone. Yep. So if you always have a flashlight on hand for a blackout or a first aid kit on hand for emergencies, then you need relief band for those unexpected nausea moments. That's right. And right now we've got an exclusive offer just for Dadville listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code Dadville, you'll receive twenty percent off plus free shipping. So head to R E L I E F B 
B-A-N-D. Great spelling. Dot com. And use our promo code DADVILLE for 20% off plus free shipping. Hey, Dave. Hey, Johnny. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, hey, just a quick question for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, What do you think pediatricians have nightmares about? I've no. been meaning to ask you this for months. Uh, that's an interesting one, John. Yeah. I'd have to think that kids jumping on a bed while eating lollipops would have to be at least in the top. Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, what about kids eating their lunches then immediately getting into the pool to swim? Oh, that's a good that's one. That's got to be that one. There, I remember right? that one. I wonder if one would be that they're trying to measure a child's weight on the scale, that they have the doctor's office, but they keep sliding a little counterweight piece back and forth, <laughs> but it's always either too much or too little, and they would never get it to balance, and the whole nightmare is just that thing. Just that's got to be. That's actually one of my nightmares, and I'm barely a pediatrician. <laughs> uh, okay, how about this one? Okay. And, and, and I think this would be the worst one, Okay, okay. Children's vitamins that are basically just candy oh, in disguise, gosh. right? I mean, picture this: filled with sugar, Ugh. unhealthy chemicals, Yuck. and other. Don't say gummy junk. Gummy junk. I knew you were gummy junk. Say it. That growing kids, they should never eat. Man, I hope we don't have any pediatricians listening right mm-hmm. now. And if you are, we are so sorry mm-hmm. because they may have to hit the mute on that one. They, that just too much. But listen, it's okay. No, they don't have it? to be afraid. <gasps> they can. They can rest easy in a dreamlike state because this is why Haya was created, Dave. Yep. Haya is the pediatrician approved superpowered chewable children's vitamin. That's right, Johnny. Haya was created to fill in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full body nourishment our kids need. Guess what it's got though, John? It's got that yummy taste. Yummy taste they yummy love. Taste they love. But Dave, was Haya formulated with the help of nutritional experts or did they just want it? <laughs> what do you think this is, jazz, John? No, man. <laughs> They're experts. And those nutritional experts <laughs> express 12. <laughs> Some people were going to guess 11, but they're no. always wrong. Everybody's always like, 11. Like, yeah. No, it's 12. Yeah. Organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged Haya with 15 essential <sighs> vitamins and minerals, 15. including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, Don't say folate, I was, ah, ah, that's and my many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. Oh, my goodness. It sounds so good, but my kids have all the allergies. Stop worrying, okay? Bob Marley was all over us about this, okay? Haya is a non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. Okay, okay. Okay. But I don't want to be wasting plastic with, like, some new bottle mailed to me every month. I, I feel guilty about that. Guess who understands you, John? Haya does. Yeah, well, I was right. going to say Amy. Oh, and yeah, me. Yeah. And Haya. That's why they send you this cool bottle with stickers for your kids to decorate. And then they send you eco-friendly refills every month. My kids love decorating the bottle almost as much as they love the taste of Haya chewable vitamins, hey, John. Dave, yep. sign me okay. up. Okay. Right, I'm going to. Haya's children's vitamins are sent straight to my door. Yep. So that's one less thing I got to worry They're about. They're not throwing it in the yard. No. Gosh. No. Why would and, they do and, that? And even then, I would be grateful, right? But they take it right to your door. Now, we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamins. You can receive 50% off. You thought I said 15. No. 50% off. That's half if my math is correct. 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, all you got to do is go to HayaHealth.com slash Dadville. And this deal is not available nope. to the go, regular don't website. Go there. Don't, don't go, go to there. the regular website. Go to 
H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash Dadville and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. That's great. Do you find any times or like for those who are listening, you're kind of like, when would I do that? Like, do you find like, like dinner is good for that? Or, you know, do you, have you seen with, with kids, there are times where they kind of, that t- tends to work better schedule wise than other times? I would say it do what works best for you as the parent. They just need it. The kids need it. And it really does differ depending on your life circumstances. For some folks, it's right before bed. It's just for whatever reason, at the end of the day, the parent can just kind of do their thing, let go of their own day, totally calm themselves and be fully present in those few precious moments before bed. But some parents are like, that doesn't work for me. I'm out. I'm, I'm asleep. I got to do it in the morning. Hmm. Um, or, uh, some kids, you know, we see this a lot with guys, you know, with, with, uh, you know, I, I don't know if this is the same for you guys, but a lot of, you know, one of the sort of gender stereotypes is, you know, screen time being in the car, moving where you're facing forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. It's not yeah, so yeah. intense, yep. but you know, that's what I would do with my stepson, right? It was like, we're in the car. That's when I could just fully attune and kind of be, uh, you know, where, where they're, you know, but you, and you can feel it energetically. You can mm. feel, he knows I'm with him, but I'm also not like staring him down. Like, talk right, to right. Him now. <laughs> yeah. Vult- vulturing above him watching. Exactly. So is, does that, uh, cause I have two girls. Yeah. I I feel like I like that. I like the sort of like, let's do a project together. And then we can maybe like in the midst of having this car ride or working on these Legos, we can talk about something. Does it, uh, does it have the same effectiveness on on girls or is it more of a male thing? Oh, I think it's great. I think it's beautiful. It's interesting because what you're doing with your daughters is introducing that idea of, of activity-based connection, yeah. activity-based mm. attachment, which is slightly different and still wonderful and still so important. Um, you're yeah. helping your daughters in some ways prepare for mm. that kind of relationship going forward, mm-hmm. right? That it's not always about, we're just going to sit here and be with each other and all of our emotions that sometimes it's really nice to be with someone and, and you're modeling that mm. for her mm-hmm. when we're doing something together and our, we're engaged in work together. That's a it's a wonderful, it is a different type of attachment um, that I do think is more masculine, but mm. it's, some, it's a gift you're giving to your daughters. It's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, for me, I feel like you see, maybe this is like when I went off to college and you kind of can see your friends' relationships with their parents, particularly my guy friends with their dads. And I something that I've just observed anecdotally is it, as long as you have one thing, like for this, the most stereotypical thing would be like baseball, where mm-hmm. it's like if you have some one thing, maybe it could be, you know, soccer or something like Dave with his boys, whatever. I, I've just seen the power of just that one little thing, that one way in, you know, can be really 100%. powerful. Yeah. You, we talk a lot about developing, you are, you are already in the process of, right? So as a, as a dad, as a parent, you are, you're, you know, you are launching your, your job, even when they're really young is to prepare them for adulthood, which is so hard for us to realize we are, are actually preparing our kids when we're doing a really good job. We're preparing our kids to be able to leave us and go out and live their own 
lives, which means we're providing that really safe space from which they can develop. And part of that, as they get older, is you're building in those lifelong activities, those lifelong, and that's, it's really smart. Um, We started doing that very intentionally with our kids, even in middle school and high school, like what are the things we're going to want to be doing together when we're, you know, 30 years from now? Wow. Um, Yeah. And, 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 and then you have those things, you kind of build those in because you're preparing for the next developmental stage, Mm -hmm. right? Each developmental stage with these kids, they are going to be, they're going to be individuating a little bit more. They're going to be moving away from home base. And as you've kind of prepared them to do that, the good news is they will, they'll start to be more into their friends, but at every stage you're continuing, instead of trying to pull them back, you're, you're, you're continuing to pull that thread through of these are the things we have and we'll have these forever. Um, and again, that's that ongoing attachment. That's that ongoing, there's different ways to orient to it. What, what just quickly, what were some of those things that y'all did? I love that idea. Lot based in the outdoors, which oh, is wow. where the mountains came in, is we um, we all share a love of the outdoors. So, so kind of you said baseball. You know, for us, it's hiking. It's uh, my for my husband and our son, fly fishing. But just being very intentional about these are these are things we can do together, and whether or not they're our favorite things you kind of, you know, that's where you kind of figure out those things that kind of work for everybody. And then naming it, naming is such a big deal. This is something that we do. This is something we love. This is kind of part of our DNA. Mm. Um, Cause you're setting the stage for that. Okay. So you specialize in the integration of faith and psychology, which yes. is really interesting. And I, I think it's an interesting time right now. You know, I am all for, um, you know, therapy and counseling. And Dave and I both have talked about that a lot and, and getting to know yourself as an individual, that self self care, all that, whatever term you want to use, obviously just like anything that can be taken too far mm-hmm. or whatever. And I think that it's, uh, it can be tricky for some people, maybe especially Christians who can maybe struggle with that idea because it elevates the individual over, you know, the more corporate or whatever. Uh, can you talk about the the benefits of that and like how, why is it important to understand yourself and all that kind of stuff for the sake of all your relationships? And That's a great question. And in the my most recent book, The Best of You, one of the things I really unpack is this concept of denying yourself Mm-hmm. Right. Which is what, as a Christian, we're supposed to deny the self. We're supposed to die to ourselves. And what I'm really walking through in that book is this whole idea of, but, but we do that for a reason. Number one, there's two things. One, we are, you know, if you, if you look at Jesus's words, you know, the grain of seed that falls to the ground, it has to become something more. And in order to become something more, it has to die. It has to go beneath the ground as if it's, you know, buried. Mm-hmm. And so, but, but there is that, but it, so that it can become what it really is. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's that piece of it that I don't, I'm not sure we talk about enough. We talk a lot about the self-denial without also talking about so that you can become even more of mm. this incredible human, this incredible soul that God made. And, and, and in our culture, right, we're holding that intention because you can go to one extreme or the other, you know, you can go to that's all about me and my beautiful human potential. And, and you right. can go to that's never about me. And I talk about this idea of selfhood 
as being it, it's really the both and of I I am going you know I want to become more of the person God made and I do that so that I can show up even more powerfully for you mm-hmm. right I can mm-hmm. show up even more um you know more effectively for other people a lot of what I talk about for folks or what I see especially if we're thinking about trauma we're thinking about these attachment wounds and so I kind of go through these developmental stages if if we don't get as children this baseline sense of our inherent belovedness right and you see it with your kids you know they they need their little sponges for needing love. And if kids don't get that, if there's a deficit of that for whatever reason, and the statistics on kids that don't have that are really high, that don't have that baseline support. And then you're going through and maybe you're part of a Christian community and you're here, well, I need to die to myself, but you never got that baseline Mm. sense that there was a self-worth loving. And so this is, I think, where in the therapeutic community, and there's more and more and more of us coming alongside and threading that needle of, we sometimes need to repair a self, and we need to repair some of these attachment wounds, and we need to heal the self before we can really understand what it means to then maybe, you know, work on denying aspects of the self. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing I like to think about with wow. that is sometimes we need to deny aspects of ourself that are parts of how we've learned to cope in unhealthy mm-hmm. ways that right, yeah. are there for a reason, right? So we just, there's so much nuance. I think that psychology brings to that conversation that isn't intention with mm-hmm. growing to be more like Christ, to growing in your character and growing in how you can mm. contribute to your community. It's just that we have to make sure we're not bypassing that healing piece that needs to happen for all of us. That's, that's a beautiful thought. What, yeah. What an, yeah, that's fascinating. Well, that's been really uh, one of the things that I have learned in these last six years of, of kind of going to counseling and doing that kind of self-reflection and all that and self-observation are the things that you just mentioned, like the sort of the coping behavioral patterns that we do that we don't even realize that we do. Yeah. Hmm. You know, that can be so, that was really eye-opening for me. Um, And in the sort of in the, in the name of denying the self or whatever, you can be blind to that kind of stuff and really not even see the patterns that you're, you're doing for years and years and years and why you're doing them. You know, yeah, if you're not careful and you go too quickly to that, you can deny the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and, and so if, if we think about it through the attachment lens, for example, if you've had a wound where you weren't cared for or, you know, even the best of families where someone your parents were just busy and mm. didn't know how to they were working really hard and couldn't pay the bills and they they gave you food and they gave you a place to sleep and weren't terrible people, but you just didn't get much emotional nurturing. So there's an attachment wound. And so maybe you're going into relationships looking to get those needs met. So we're just going to cut that off. We just need to cut that out and you just need to, but we haven't healed the wound. Yeah, right, <laughs> we yeah, right. the wound. And so that's one of those coping strategies, right? That we got to look at and go, why is it there? I always say these are cues or to use the mountain terminology, these are trailheads hmm. of there's a trail I need to go down. Let's not be so quick to just cut it off. Let's, there's a trail of healing here. I need to go down this, this path 
to figure out why I do that. Mm, What's yeah. going on there? Why did that develop that way so that I can change it in a healthy way? That's good. Which takes, as you said, I mean, like John was saying, it actually takes work to on ourselves to even get there, which I think is yeah. really scary for some people because it feels like, well, I don't want to stare at myself and make this all about me. But I think to realize what needs to be healed. A lot of times you got to do that. Like you can't know that without looking in the mirror going, Oh, I'm like missing an arm. You know, <laughs> I was wondering why it was so hard for me to pick up a basketball. Um, so one of the things, you know, you've written about turning off the internal negative voice. I mean, kind of in the space that, that John was bringing up and experiencing, I love this, the true loving God and why he isn't, you know, trying to beat you up and, and who isn't trying to beat you up. Why do you think this is such a struggle for us? And, and, and is there any sense of like, this is being heightened in this day and age with just the way that the world is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That inner critic is brutal. And, um, I, I, you know, that's a really good question. I haven't thought about it in the context of sort of our current, I do think, I do think social media exacerbates it and just gives it all these different names of comparison and, you know, um, just the heightened access we have to everything around us and all the information certainly only exacerbates our own inner critic, um, you know, I, I think, I think it's, it's part of the nature of who we are, that it's easier in many ways to sort of crucify my, again, that kind of gets at that. It's sort of easier for me to crucify myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we want to blame ourselves versus kind of that open handed posture of, oh, this is so hard. <laughs> I've right, got to right. face mm-hmm. the thing beneath the thing. Um, that, and that's one of those things that just gets habituated. We don't even realize it. People don't even realize the kinds of stuff they're telling themselves all day long. That revelation for me, we've had a few guests on that have kind of talked about, I know John Acuff is, talks a lot about the inner critic, but it's like, that's the scariest thing is when you don't even realize that you're doing it. And Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of that. That's something I've had to watch in myself. And I've really, really had to pray a lot about is like how, when that voice comes up not to go like, Oh no, that's a normal. What's that's Chuck. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, no, man, like that's, you're, Chuck you're not and I've being... been together. For <laughs> Chuck is my bro, years, man. man, me and me and Chucky, but you know, realizing like <laughs> that is not healthy and is really yeah. contributing to a lot of problems that I have kind of with myself is because mm-hmm. I'm just sort of like going, yeah, he's right. I mean, you know, that's what we do. What's sort of mind blowing about the inner critic though, is that typically it's a part of us that learn to cope. Yeah. And so the, we also don't want to beat ourselves up for the inner critic. And so we have mm-hmm. to learn to understand. I like it that you name it, Chuck, because you yeah. sort of have to go, all right, you're trying to help. You're trying to motivate me. It's not, it's not helping me. You know, what's the intention behind yeah. that? And again, these all develop, this develops so much. And so I feel, I feel so bad for parents, you know, for all of us, because like all this develops in childhood, right? Even in the best of uh, families, right? But yeah. you develop these coping strategies. <laughs> You're both like, I mean, it could just be said, you alluded to it earlier. I mean, we talk about like the, the baggage that you're bringing into different relationships and all that. I mean, is it, could it be said, this may be the most obvious thing, but it's like, we, it's all there. You have, you, we got to figure out what our baggage is, but there, there's no one who has no baggage. A hundred percent. There's no one who has no wounds. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. It, it is. And I think, again, kind of to go back to the, you know, I think, you know, a couple hundred years ago, we would just say it's all a sin problem, right? It's all sin. Um, now in our, in our modern era, we're kind of all, we're all wounded. Right. And I, I go back and forth, like, what, what are we wounded? You know, people, you know, what is it? And I'm like, I I think it's just an amalgamation Mm. 
of, you know, cause it's an amount and, and the two are tied, you know, first of all, if you look at sin, my big thing is let's just remove the shame out of it. It's just this simple thing of, we miss the mark mm. first and foremost. So let's just start with that. And second of all, sometimes it's because of wounds, you know, we, we've just, we're just going to pick up a wound or two, even in the best of situations. And yeah. And if we didn't, which is impossible, we'd also pick up just stuff from inside of us that, you know, it's just kind of part of the condition, but there's just no way around it. It doesn't matter. You know, you can have the most loving parents in the world. You're going to pick up a wound or two at school. You're going to pick up a wound mm. or two just walking out into your sidewalk. It's just the way it is. Hey, Dave, Dave, is that you? Uh, Is that you? Yes, uh, I'm con- it's what do I look? I'm a little. Or, or do I look different? Why are you asking that? Well, I, I mean, I don't mean to alarm you. Okay, David. It, it appears as though you were severely sunburned, all like completely all over your uh, body, but particularly yeah. on your face. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, no. what happened? Okay, well, I, I didn't know if you noticed. I'm kind of embarrassed <laughs> to admit this, but any of the kids ask if I could prepare some wild caught seafood for dinner tonight. Uh-huh. So I spent the better part uh, this morning. Uh, Nobody really knows, but fly fishing on the on the Tennessee oh. River. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did Did you have any luck? Uh, I'll tell you what. I didn't catch a break or any fish. <laughs> That's a big negative. That is oh, a man. big bad negative. Yeah. Man, oh, well, I wish you would have come to me first, because I have more than enough wild caught seafood to share with the entire family. Well, you know what? Color me impressed, John, because I did not know you were a fisherman. Oh, Dave, I am not a fisherman. In fact, I've never <laughs> caught a fish in my life. I am an award-winning musician and podcaster, oh. but here's here's why I have all this fish. I would love to know the reveal. I, because I signed up for ButcherBox. ButcherBox? Yeah. ButcherBox, Okay, Dave. okay. ButcherBox, I'll say it one more time. Yep. ButcherBox is delivered right to my doorstep for free. I was scared you And I'm able that. to cu- <laughs> I'm able to custom curate my box. I can put it, it can be all wild cut salmon. Yeah. Or well, caught salmon. Uh, and listen, either way, it's going to happen, okay? <laughs> so I can select from so many options like okay. 100% grass-fed beef. You okay. know how I I'm like when those cows are fed grass. <laughs> Free-range organic chicken, pork that is raised crate-free, Get out and your favorite wild Wait, hold on. A hundred percent grass fed. That's right. Like not even one dandelion sneaks. They pick the out all the dandelions. <laughs> oh god! It's a grassy mountainside meadow, uh, right out of the sound of music. <laughs> Man, if that grass can make the hills come alive, Johnny, imagine what it can do for my beef. Okay? That's right. But what if I get all this meat on my doorstep? Mm-hmm. But I don't know any good recipes. Uh, n- Dave, great question, okay. and not to worry. It's hard not to. That's John. why that because. Butcher Box includes recipe inspiration, Ooh. guides, okay. tips, hacks, Love hacks, along with exclusive member deals, including one just for dead. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The double B. That's right. Butcher Box has given us a special deal. That's me right, and you Dave. And all yep. our listeners. If you sign up today using the code DADVILLE, you can receive ground beef for a year plus twenty dollars no, off your no. first order. That's right. Well, I'm gonna I'm just gonna let's double down. That's two pounds of ground beef mm-hmm. free mm-hmm. in every box for a year plus twenty dollars off your first order when you sign up at Tell em, John. Butcherbox.com slash dadville. And use the code what, John? Dadville. That's right. <laughs> Man, Jeez Dave, Louise, yeah. I want to give a shout out 
And when I give a shout out, I always I laugh because it just brings me so much joy to Love give a shout out to Claritin yes. Yes. for supporting this episode and providing us with free oh, samples. You know it, John. This time of year, my allergies are in fuego. They're mm-hmm. always on the attack, but I use this and you should too. Oh, I do, Dave. Every day in our house. Yeah. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, which is, this is me raising my hand, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill to relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, runny nose, itchy and watery eyes an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. John, I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for a long time, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can go for a run without my eyes watering. I may be crying, but it's not sure, from allergies. Totally different. And I can sing without feeling like I have a fr- like a big old, let's not even call it a frog. It's a, it's like a toad. It's like a family of toads. It's a family. It's a turtle. Yeah. In my so you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? Yeah, me. I'm it's sure. time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Dave. Hey, yes. Uh, Can I ask you a question? Uh Uh-huh. What are you so happy about? Jonathan, my good man. After 20 long, sometimes unbearable seasons, it appears as though my beloved Gunners are going to win the league. Oh, man, that's great. I mean, yeah. con- congrats to all the Arsenal yeah. fans. Listen, let's not offer congratulations just yet. Okay. I mean, it's pretty much in the bag, but they just need to close out the season with a couple more wins. And tell you what, I'm going to be right back. Just going to make sure they seal the deal. Don't go anywhere. Hold on. Okay. I'll, I'll stay right. Well, so they so they blew it. They It's not happening. Uh, it's, wow. It's all over. Dave, that was embarrassingly fast how quickly the wheels came off just yeah. then. Did you happen to do anything uh, while I was gone to check in on that? Well, as a matter of fact, Dave, I did. Even though that was such a short amount of time, I started an online business. Clown suits for Arsenal fans. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Real cool. Real cool. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but honestly, how did you do that so quickly, actually? I'm, I am interested. What's that sound? I'll tell you, Dave. That's the sound of Shopify. Let's talk about the commerce platform that's revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Yeah. I've been using Shopify for years. Decades. Decade plus. (laughs) And it makes selling things online so easy. Even my clown suits for Arsenal fans flying off the shelves. I like it less every time you say it. Is it true that Shopify covers every sales channel Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from an in-person point-of-sale system Mm -hmm. to an all-in-one e-commerce platform Mm -hmm. and even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram? Why, yes, Dave, it is true. Plus, Shopify is also packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite. That's the sound of ignition. Ooh, love that. Your growth. It gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills or design or code. I'm not going to learn that that stuff. Can I tell you what's incredible to me? Please. Your forums. Two. Thank you. How Shopify is, no matter how big you want to grow, Mm -hmm. they are there to empower you with the confidence and control, we call it the two C's, Mm -hmm. to take your business to the next level. That's right. Now it's your turn to get serious about selling 
and try Shopify today, listener. Sign up for a $1 per month. You heard me right. Goodness gracious. $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dadville, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dadville to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash dadville. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. It's a really, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's honestly one of the reasons that we do this podcast, but I think one of the most overwhelming feelings that I have consistently as a parent is knowing that, you know, so many times when you talk to someone, and, and I remember this being a seismic moment in my sort of just like uh, growing up is in college, sort of putting two and two together on so many of the problems that me and my friends had. Could, you could kind of trace to our parents in some way. And it wasn't, it wasn't even really dramatic things. It'd be silly things or funny things, but you know, I, st- and I, and I really would sit with my friends who came from certain types of home and realize like, man, they are carrying a real weight from that. And then other friends that were from other homes and they were carrying this weight. And then the ones who didn't, I was so fascinated. It was like, and it was like, wow, you had parents that were really attentive and it's not that they were scarless at all. That's not the point, but it just seemed like, and so for me, something I've struggled with my whole life is just the, the abject terror in some ways of realizing that some of the weight that we sort of pass down as parents is on us. I mean, you're right. Some of it's not at all. I mean, you know, I saw this great clip of this, I don't, I don't know, genetics, genetics guy or something, but he was just saying like, you know, to alleviate parents, it was the most fascinating little sound clips. He's like, look, there's all of these things that are just written into your body that are just there. So like yeah. you can, you know, it's your kid's going to come out your kid. Yeah. And I need, and I, I need to hear that a lot because I, I'm sort of of the school, if I'm not careful where I'm like, man, this is on you, bro. Like it is yeah. on you. You know, every, every little bump and wound and scar is going to be father initiated or, or, you yeah. know, parental initiate. And I think it's good. Those kind of things for me, that's one of those things that I can't hear enough because it gives a lot of grace to, you know, they are going to be what they are. And granted, we have a huge responsibility in that, obviously a huge responsibility, but you know, the world's the world, like their friends are their friends, their friends, parents are their friends, parents. Yep. And, and there's just going to be a lot of things you just can't control, you know, it's both. And the, and the science supports that, that it's totally nature and it's totally mm. nurture. It's you both, almost yeah. can't tease it out. You know, yeah. when you look yeah. at yeah. these twin studies that are so fascinating right, where you right. separate two twins and they're raised in completely different environments and they turn out so similarly. That is fascinating. It's fascinating research. And so you really, it, what you're saying is true. It's, it's your, yes, there's a, we have a part to play and there's a lot that's nature that we don't have control over. Mm. And so it is, it's that balancing act of, of taking. And, and again, that's where it's really so much of parenting is about our own growth. Yeah. Our yeah. Own, right. Our own, like holding, yeah. holding on when we need to hold on and letting yeah. go of what we need to let go of. And I always say to parents, you know, your goal isn't not is to prevent, is not to prevent wounds or, mm. you know, for your children, never your goal. My goal, mm. I would say is I want always to keep the lines of communication. Yeah, open that's great. That's great. So that when my kid is 30 going, why did you do that? I'm like, you know what? I yeah. really messed that up. You are right. right. Yes, you know? that's great. And when that's they're 50, so good. That, that again, going back to that attachment, that there's just that relationship. That's mm. what I'm after. You know, it's yeah. not perfection. It's not, not getting it's but that requires me to do my own work so that I am receptive to when they're like, why do you, cause our kids are starting to do that. You know, they're in their twenties now. And oh, wow. Kind of, 
pretty smart and they think that, you know, and, 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 you know, we think we did a pretty good job and they're great kids and all this stuff, but you know, they're, they're willing to kind of be like, that wasn't so great. You know, and you gotta, gotta go. Yeah, you're, you're right. You know, they're, I think about that day a lot. And yeah. I, yeah, my wife and I always say like, it's going to be the thing that we swore we nailed <laughs> that yeah. they're going to be like, yeah, you didn't do that well. And I'm like, no, 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 that I thought you were going to talk about all this stuff. Like I was on my phone a lot, but not like, I don't know yeah. what it'll be, but I have to tell myself this because what I tell other people is how awesome that they feel safe enough mm. and free enough to tell you. Exactly. If they're telling you that's a win. A hundred percent. Can you imagine like I, you know, can. Mm. Can you imagine being able to tell your parents like that, you know, having that kind of open right. conversation, mm. that's a lot of safety. That's yeah. the goal. I think some of that too, I mean, this, I was talking with a buddy about this yesterday is just, I think that's why, again, what John asked a few minutes ago and, and you, you were speaking to is so, is so uh, important because the hope is the hope, because again, to your point, Allison, like it's going to happen. Like the scars are coming, yeah. you know, bumps, bruises, the whole thing is that when, and, prayerfully they do sit with you probably around the age of your kids where you're really getting, you know, they're getting a sense of like, wait a second, <laughs> that's not what they said or whatever that when they do come and sit with you and hopefully they do, I think that's where your, our work hopefully is to know ourselves, to be well acquainted with our own yeah. sin and shadow selves. So that when they do say, Hey mom, you know, you kind of did this thing. You don't go because this is where I see the disconnect so much with my friends and their parents in the ages we are, where you kind of sit and you're like, Hey, you know, we spent Christmas to the all dad, you kind of, and he's like, what are you talking about? Exactly. Well, either like you're so disrespectful or that's not what I do. And communication is immediately over at that point. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that I grieve is that is where our work is so important on ourselves to your point is to go, I need to know this stuff. And so when my oldest son sits down with me at 25 and goes like, Hey dad, like, this was really hard that I go, you know, Hey man, that that's in my, that's in my programming. Like I know that about myself yeah. I, I've, I, and thank you for bringing it. And I'm so sorry. And now we can talk about that. It's not, I see that so much in our friends and their parents and, and it's, it breaks my heart because you really, you can see again that the kid is coming going, Hey, I, I want to be together. I want to be yes. united to you, but instead, you know, the parent and, and, you know, we're all doing the best we can, but it's just sad because in, you know, his friends will come out. How was Christmas? Like, it was awful, man. I tried to talk to my mom about this or my dad and I tried to, and it just, they just shut it down, you know, yeah. because they were either offended or they just haven't thought about that about. So it felt so accusatory Yes, and they just knew to pull back and sort of, you know. And our, and then that relationship is stunted. It stopped yeah. there. It doesn't mean it can't exist, but, and you think about all those are bids for connection. Mm. We never mm -hmm. stop wanting our parents. Yes. We never stop wanting to connect with them ever. And, you know, it is, it really is. This is, you know, I always think about it as the best metaphor for how God is with us. He never mm. wants us to stop saying, Hey God, what was up with that? You know, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. he can take that, you know, same as parents, like our kids, we, and that can go throughout our life. What a beautiful picture of having those adult yeah. relationships with kids. That's what we're trying to set ourselves up for so that Christmas is becoming even more and more mm. and more. I will also say our kids are one's in college, one just graduated. But the other thing that's pretty cool when they get out in, in the real world to some degree and they're more separate from you is when they come back and say, wow, our friends didn't get that. Mm. That was cool. And they start yeah, to appreciate yeah. Wow. Things. Wow. You know, cause they just, so you get the, it's a make they get both, you know, they see some of the things that, that we missed or they see some of the things that you got and you yeah. just, 
it's another stage in the journey where you're just kind of like, okay, you know, again, letting go because they're getting all this different data coming in. Right. Um, but mm. so thankful they're coming back to us with mm. the new data. That's the goal. You what, know? what has and that been like for y'all? Have y'all had those conversations yet where they really do kind of say, hey, like kind of swung and miss on this, you know, kind of, ooh, you know, how, how has that been? <laughs> yeah, it started, I don't know, in the last couple of years. Feel free to cry for as long yeah, as you Yeah, and need we'll to. cry with you. We'll, <laughs> just... well, this is where you help each other, I think, mm -hmm. as a couple, because sometimes they, uh, well, I will say maybe this is where your wives might come in because I will start to notice that they're wanting to maybe point out a thing or two about, and, and then we do it for each other. And then I'll kind of cue him. I'll be like, I think they need to like kind of talk to you about that way of doing something. Wow. Make it safe. And then conversely, you know, they'll be starting to kind of, they push, you know, kids know, they know the buttons and they know how hard. So they'll kind of push a little bit. And then my husband will kind of look at me and be like, you know, they're right about that. Usually for me, it's something along the lines of pleasing somebody or the fact <laughs> that I write about boundaries. And then I really struggle with them in my real life. And they just think that's hysterical, you know, yeah. and, and then, and then it's all funny until like, you know, it's like actually that, you know, you're, you know, this, they'll, they'll kind of put their finger on something and you do, you mm. kind of have to go. And I'm telling you, that's where your partner, you know, if you guys could, if you can really, wow. you know, they're like, Oh no, I think they got you on that one. And then you just kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. you bring yeah. it out and then you circle back and you're like, what was that? What was that like for you? But, um, it is pretty interesting. There's like this point where they just start to get they're kind of onto something, you know, that, and you're like, wow, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're kind of, putting their finger on something that I, I need to kind of look well, at. One of the things I can't imagine being where y'all are, it's going to be a while for us, but you know, that I think is really interesting that I, I that I've sort of, <laughs> I sort of dread in some ways with our kids is, you know, hopefully in a healthy relationship and this is something, you know, I've been working on a lot with my wife is like, you know, individuating and really staying yourself and not, yeah. you know, codependencing yourself into oblivion. But, um, which is funny because my wife is like, what does that mean? I'm like, oh, it's good for you. I'm glad that you don't struggle with that. Apparently not magnetic enough. Um, but, you know, <laughs> is that thing where your kids, you know, you, you are two different parents. Yeah. Totally. You know, and so that yeah. that that is something I get. So I'm like, man, when they come in and it's just the, the eye of Sauron is just on me. And yeah. my wife has to turn and go, I love you, but you did do that a lot. And I'm like, like dad, come in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like knowing it's not always going to be a shared thing. It's like, hey, mom and dad, like there's something to bring up. It's me. Mom, you can oh. leave. So dad, can you sit down? And you're like, oh. <laughs> you know, and, and meanwhile, you know, Annie is in the kitchen kind of like eating pudding and laughing and going, yeah, that's, that's what he did. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, but knowing you have to have space for that with your, yeah. with your partner and, you know, like let them be who they are and they're going to learn things and the same for you. But that's something that I also have thought so much about lately is like in these healthy marriages, hopefully we're working to really stay yourself. That also means you are still yourself, all the good yes. and bad of those things to your kids. And they make, Hey, parents, we need to talk to you. And you're kind of like, here we go. And then they're like, mom, you're excused. And you're like, Oh, boy. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. Okay. So something I, I wanted to ask you about, because this is something that I, I think about a lot lately with my girls who are seven and 10. Um, you know, we talk about, we're not, a goal is not to try to keep them from getting wounded, all that kind of stuff. I understand that. And there's no way to do that. And also if I look at my own life, a lot of the things that I have learned are from pain. You know, mm -hmm. you learn from those painful experiences and all that kind of stuff. I have, I, I just like, I pray, pray, pray that my daughters 
that can instill confidence in them to navigate through those painful times that they're going to go through. And that on a daily, they're, they're coming home from school with these experiences where they were embarrassed in front of the class and yada, 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 just all the typical childhood things. And you, this is one of the things that you work with people and couples and families on is developing confidence Mm -hmm. and having a lot of listeners who are parents. What are, what are some things that we can be doing? What advice do you have for us with our kids on how to sort of foster that confidence in them? Yeah, that is such a a great question because again, we know that kids do need to develop resilience. We Mm -hmm. know that we cannot rescue them from everything and that will in fact cause problems in and of itself. However, what's that fine line? What I often say to people is what's the fine line of where there's a growth opportunity, there's an opportunity for us to empower them to either learn how to speak up for themselves or learn how to tolerate a bat, a hard situation. And where's that fine line where they are being injured hmm. in a way, and especially injured in a way that is about a power differential or injured in a way that is um, doing damage to their, to their psyche where, you know, there is a point where a parent steps in and it's a little bit that those waters can be a little bit murky, especially again in our culture where we kind of have gone to these extremes, you know, Mm -hmm. where I was kind of raised still in that generation of, you know, you just kind of, you just have to tough, tough stuff out, you know? Yeah. Um, to where, yeah, exactly. And now to where there's kind of almost some concern that it goes too far the other way where kids aren't having enough opportunity to really just, you know, gosh, you don't make the team and that's hard, you know, that's painful. And we, we've got to, we've got to, um, learn what does it look like? What does resilience look like to walk through that bravely, you know, Mm -hmm. versus fixing that problem. And I think that's a lot more of what I see Mm -hmm. right now. Um, and I think just that word, just that kind of giving your kids that language, it's a lot of times what it comes down to is the naming, never mm-hmm. trying to like pretend like it doesn't hurt or it isn't what it is doing all the naming with them. Here's what happened. Here's what's hard. Here's what I feel. Here's what the kids are going to think. Here's what this, here's what's that. And as you're doing that, your kid kind of shows you, okay, all right. Okay. You know, I can, you know. I can do this. I can, I can, Oh, this was so hard, but you know, this happened, this thing happened and you kind of watch them, you know, it's like watching them learn to walk. You kind of watch them start to find their way through. It's kind of bumpy and it's hard, but you know, but you're watching it really closely for if there's ever that point where in that, in that piece of kind of trying to walk through pain or walk through something hard, they're getting on, they're falling on the floor and not getting back up. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where they, they're hurting themselves yeah. and it's like, yeah. okay, now we need to step in here. This isn't, this is outside. This is above and beyond your power, your ability yeah. to manage this. You, you've mentioned a couple of times the, the power of naming things, which it feels IFS, the internal family systems yeah. kind of thing, which I know one of your books is, is, is about, which this is a whole thing that just recently I have learned about. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that for some of the listeners that that aren't familiar with it? Yeah, the the okay. So I'm trying to think how how much to go into the IFS model. Um, it's because it's a little bit complicated, but it's super powerful. But the idea is that we have different parts of ourselves, and some parts of us. There's three key 
categories of parts. Uh, there, we have parts of us that are our manager parts. These are the parts of us that want to show up well in the world. We want to produce, please perform. We want to do a good job. There are firefighter parts of us. And what that means is they want to go in and put out the flames of pain. So these are the parts of us that want to um, kind of are more pleasure seeking, more impulsive. The, they want to, uh, they don't want to feel pain at all. So they'll numb out or, or have a good time or whatever escape artist parts of us. Both of those parts of us are protecting us. Essentially managers are protecting us by making sure we keep it all together. Firefighters are protecting us by figuring out how to get rid of the pain as fast as possible. These are not, uh, we all have these. We all have parts of us that work really hard. We all have parts of us that need to check out. This is normal. The, the goal is healthy balance. And then the third part that we're kind of getting at with this resilience thing are these, what we call in IFS, it's it, the founder of it is Richard Schwartz, are these exiled parts of us. And these are the parts of us we don't want to face. These are the parts of us that carry pain, that carry our our fears, our shame that carry our loneliness, that carry our self-doubt, that carry, you know, these are the parts of us. And we typically exiled them way back in childhood. You know, we didn't want to feel lonely when no one was talking to us in fourth grade, you know, and we didn't have anybody around us. We, you know, I'm just kind of hypothetically speaking, we didn't have any parents around us that could help us name. Yeah, that's really lonely. It's mm -hmm. really lonely to be the new kid in fourth grade. I'm with you. It might be lonely for a little while, right? If you don't have that, you bury it. And then guess what you do? You amp up the managing or amp up the firefighting. Mm -hmm. These are where those coping strategies come from. So you're in fourth grade. Nobody's naming that for you. So you're like, well, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to become the crazy class clown or I'm going to become the derelict. That's how I'll get attention or whatever. And you get these coping strategies because you can't deal with that loneliness. But when there's someone with you, whatever your kid is dealing with, going, naming what could be exiled, those painful, those, it is hard, mm -hmm. right? That is hard. I'm with you. We're watching it together. If it gets too mm. lonely, you know what? We're going to, let's give it, what do you think? Can we give it a couple weeks? And then let's check in again, right? And you're just walking with them. Okay, it's been a year. That's too long. Mm. We're going to make a change, right? You're naming those painful emotions. And not fixing them because mm. that's not, that's you managing mm. their pain. Right, right. Right? So because none of, none of the parts are bad, right? Correct. The idea is they're all good and they're yes. all necessary. Even the yes. ones that we, we sort of snap judgment to thinking that these are bad parts of us. Mm. They're all important. They're all valuable. The, the goal is to hold them in proper balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the, the harmony is the goal. So the, the harmony is to understand how to name the hard things and then to self-soothe in healthy ways, mm -hmm. you yep. know, like music is, you know, the, what are these ways when I'm feeling lonely, what are some things I can do that are healthy that make me feel better? Or, um, you know, what's something, you know, what's a, a you know, manager activity that I can do that kind of helps me kind of manager activities tend to be more heady, you know, like, okay, let's, let's solve the problem, which isn't all bad. It's yeah. just only one component of yeah. the three. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great. So, so we have two uh, questions we end with, but before I do that one, this uh, part of we're doing momville for months, we've had uh, some of our favorite mothers on, and you're one of those uh, this month. It's something I've tried to ask each of the, um, Ladies that have come on, ladies, God, that felt weird when I said that. As I said it, I was like, I wish I'd said women. And then I was like, gals. Anyway, I digress. Hey, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I 
80 in the ladies. ladies. Um, Yeah. Is there a word that for the moms that are listening, um, is there any word you have for them as you think about moms, especially this month and and Mother's Day and everything? Oh, gosh. Um, You know, I would say here's what I would say to the moms. This is something I've learned myself and I think it's really important is don't be shy about thinking about what you want for Mother's Day. Not meaning like a gift. I mean, maybe it's a gift, but really thinking, naming, naming Mm -hmm. one thing Mm -hmm. that would mean a lot to you. I love that. And start with yourself. Start with God. Kind of think about it. And then tell tell your family Mm. this is something that would mean something to me. Because one of the things I see is just it's a fraught day. Uh, oftentimes expectations aren't met. We don't want to, you know, we don't, we don't want to want, but then we do want, and then we don't get, and then, you know, it's, <laughs> right. just, you know, it's just say, Hey, this would be kind of cool. I yeah. kind of love this. Yeah. That's great. It is such a weird, I mean, we had our wives on a couple of years ago and it felt like they led us behind the wizard of Oz cloth on being a mother on mother's day. And I mean, do you still think about that, John? Oh Yeah. My gosh. I mean, one of the things you, they you said that was... felt like such an idiot because oh, like, oh, I, I guess I never thought about what Mother's Day is like for, for you. Yeah. Yeah. My wife. I mean, it was it was really sobering to realize how yeah. much she, you know, like they both just commuted how much they felt like they were having to do to honor mothers in their life, not to mention to be honored. Yeah. And it was like, whoa. Yeah, it's more when work. you talk about expectations and it's like, I mean, I go into Mother's Day and you're, and I learned this the hard way early on in our marriage where I missed the, missed the boat on Mother's Day. And so now every year I'm like, I just don't want to fail, which mm. is, can't be the right way to go into Mother's Day, you know? That's why I say, and that, no, that's why I say, there, I think there's something in us that thinks, well, if we ask for what we need or want, that takes away the beauty of it, but it actually mm. doesn't. I yeah. promise you, you know, yeah. just to say, you know what I want is I want to do nothing and I yeah. want to plan nothing and I want to cook nothing. Yeah. And yeah. then when it happens, it's, it feels great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, too, it's so, it's just so much easier for dads. I mean, you know, it's, I love it. You know, Annie has been great about this, this uh, Mother's Day coming up. She was like, Hey, this is kind of, she did exactly what you said. She's like, this is kind of what I want. I was like, I would love to provide that for you. Yeah. Thank you a million times. Thank you. <laughs> so it's yeah. a task. Yeah. I will like, nail it. <laughs> um, okay. So a couple of last uh, questions for you. And we asked this to everybody. Alice, the first one, what is the one thing that you want your kids to know? That I will always be here for them. Mm. They can tell me anything and that I will receive it as mm-hmm. best I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Last question. This is a big one. What do you want your kids to say at your funeral? Wow. <laughs> you guys go for the tears on that one. Oh, gosh. Um, I think in in my case, because you know, it's sort of unique for the different situations, right? So mm-hmm. I would say in my case, the answer to that would be because there was so much pain, the context in which I became their, their mom really. And I, I should give mm-hmm. a shout out to stepmoms and second moms on mother's day. Cause that day is also mm-hmm. hard, right? Yeah. Where, yeah. where you're, you're kind of, you're straddling loss or you're straddling, um, you know, joy, there's, there's just a lot there. I think for me and with my kids, what would mean a lot is if they said, it's going to bring tears to my eyes, so it must be true. Mm. If they said I brought them joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I would mean that. a lot to me that they said I brought a, just, just some joy, you know, mm, cause yeah. that, that's kind of been my goal is just to come in and, and just be that reminder of hope and that reminder mm. of, 
of um of goodness and joy and mm. in the world that's beautiful that's gosh that's beautiful well you have brought us joy yes right. amen to that you and happy early joy. mother's day too by the way thank you yeah thanks, thanks for, for having me yeah absolutely dun, dun, dun.